0: Hi, my name is Laura, I'm an emergency room nurse, and welcome back to Let's Chat Healthcare. In this episode, I'm speaking with Lindsay. Lindsay is a wife and mother to Bennett and Gideon. Bennett is a young toddler, and Gideon was born earlier and passed away shortly after his birth. Lindsay does a great job explaining it in this episode, but in shorter words, his skull wasn't able to fully develop, and because of that, he ended up passing away shortly after his birth. I'm so thankful Lindsay was willing to come on and tell us Gideon's story and her story too. I think that Gideon is still teaching us today and his little life had such a huge impact. Lindsay and her family named Gideon Gideon because Gideon means warrior and Gideon was definitely a warrior. You guys will see. Thank you again to Lindsay. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when our episodes are released, and you can find us on social media at Let's Chat Healthcare. All right, here's Lindsay to share hers and Gideon's stories with us. Hi Lindsay, thanks for joining me today. I just wanted to let you know that this is yours and Gideon's story, and whatever you feel like it's important to say, it's up to you. Okay,
1: that sounds good, because yeah, I was going to say, like, I'm probably going to go into a lot of detail, so if this is, like, way too long, I'm, like, not offended if you have to, like, cut stuff out.
0: That's no problem at all. I think the best place to start would be with yours and Gideon's story, wherever you feel that begins.
1: Yeah, where to start? (laughs) Um, well, I'll start in November of 2019. For a little bit of context first, I guess, um, we have my husband Jason and I, we have a, a two-year-old son Bennett. And so when we decided to start trying again, Bennett was about a year old and we always knew that we wanted our kids to be rather close in age. and so, we decided to start trying and thought, oh, they'll be like about 18 months apart. And uh, we got pregnant pretty quickly. Uh, it was very surprising to both of us. And so we were like, okay, all right, 18 month age gap, we can do this. So <laughs> um, we announced our family over Thanksgiving. It was really exciting. And then extended family on Christmas. And, uh, you know, it was still early, like first trimester. But I mean, I was having morning sickness and all of those good indicators. And so it, it felt, pretty normal, honestly, as far as pregnancy goes. And so after Christmas, we were really looking forward to that first OB appointment where they do the uh, heartbeat and and uh, all that good stuff. So we we did that and was confirmed that, yep, there's a baby in there and there's a heartbeat. And it was just a really joyful time. It just felt like 2020 was going to be our year. Mm-hmm. It was We were going to be adding a baby to the family. And I mean, little did we know how much 2020 was going to have in store, even just like in the world. But yeah, so... My first ultrasound was scheduled for late January. I was about eleven weeks along at that point. That ultrasound was really normal. When they were scanning him, you know, he, he looked like a perfect baby. I mean, he he looked like he had a full head, and he was kicking and stretching, and I mean, it, it was it was just crazy, even at just eleven weeks, how how active and how perfect he looked, and so left that appointment just feeling really good. And and at that point, you know, I know that most friends and and people kind of announce as they're going into the second trimester at 13 weeks. But after that ultrasound at 11 weeks, we, we just kind of felt like, all right, well, that's That's all we need to know. So let's let's announce. So we posted, if not that day, I think it was like just a day or two after that 11 week ultrasound announcing that we were pregnant. We were so excited, adding a second baby to the family. Bennett was going to be a big brother. And so just like. A couple days, I think it was like three days after that ultrasound, we got a phone call. And it was strange because I'd never gotten a follow-up phone call mm. from an ultrasound, or or at least not that I can remember, but just because they were all so standard, but that phone call. The nurse on the line sounded pretty casual. She said, "Hey, like we we didn't get a great look at baby's head, and so doctor just wants to double check some stuff. So um, we're gonna wait a couple weeks and let the baby grow a little bit, and we want you to come back for a 14 week ultrasound, and we will be sending you to a maternal fetal medicine specialist for that ultrasound. Mm. And at the time, I was just kind of like, okay, like it, it was interesting because I'm I'm a natural." worrier. And so I'm kind of surprised that I wasn't worried at the time. I just was kind of expecting everything to still be okay Mm -hmm. going into that appointment. So... Going into that, you know, Jason came with me. That was right at the end of January's tail end. It was January 28 when we finally had that 14-week ultrasound. And I started to feel butterflies, but I kind of chalked it up more to just like excitement to see our baby again. I was mm-hmm. just kind of thinking, oh, hey, you know, the at least we get a an, another ultrasound out of this. We can see our baby again and see how much he's grown. In the back of my mind, I did kind of think, you know, what if? But honestly, I mean, the, the what if that I was thinking was, oh, well what if my baby has Down syndrome? But then I was like, mm-hmm. Well, that's that's okay. We'll figure it out. We'll we'll love this baby. And so if if, if there was anything I was preparing for, it was for that. I didn't I, I couldn't fathom what was going to happen. And so we went in and the nurse who or, or the ultrasound tech, I think is what they're called, she took us back and, and she was a very um sweet lady, just very chipper and bright and had a really positive energy. So that just kind of put me at ease and and she was explaining that in their particular office. I don't know if it's just because the ultrasound techs at the MFM office have particular training or or what that is, but they are able she was saying that she she would be able to tell us in the ultrasound if everything was looking good and kind of describe what she was seeing. So I was like, oh, OK, so like we'll have the ultrasound and I'll, I'll get to hear from her and then we'll go home. That's kind of what I was thinking. Um, she started the ultrasound and was kind of moving the wand around pretty Pretty hard trying to get some good looks at baby's head, and and I was just more in the moment. I was just loving that. Oh, he's stretching again. He's kicking so much, and and he was he really was moving around a ton. And she kept saying, "Oh, he's it's kind of hard to get a good read." After a little while, she said, "You know what? I'm not really getting a great read on his head. I'm going to step out. Why don't you go like go to the bathroom, and we'll do and I, I don't remember what it's called, but the Intervaginal
0: ultrasound. A transvaginal ultrasound, I think is what they're called.
1: Which I thought was kind of weird. I was like, 14 weeks? I feel like I should be far enough or long to not need that. But I was like, okay, fine. That's okay. And and she said, and I'm going to bring the, um, the specialist in. I did think that that was kind of weird because she had said she might not need, like she could just tell us if everything's fine. But even then, I think that I was still just so intent on everything's fine. Everything's fine. That I just didn't even really kind of pick up on that. Mm-hmm. So I went to the bathroom, came back. My husband was waiting for me and we, we waited in that room for what felt like a really long time. I have no idea how long it actually was, but we ju- were just waiting for a really long time for the ultrasound tech and the specialist to come back. So when they finally did, the mood shifted. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden when they came in, she she wasn't peppy and happy anymore. And he, it was very serious, but I still didn't pick up on it. I still was like, no, everything's good. I think I was kind of not allowing myself to sort of pick up on some cues. And so started the intravaginal ultrasound and it definitely did give a better view of our baby's head. All of a sudden the specialist was saying words that just were totally different, he was saying. And it was almost like he was talking to the ultrasound tech and not to me, but he was saying, you see here, there's a skull missing. There's, the brain is exposed. There's no skull. And then he kind of did click of his tongue. He was like, mm, "Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm so sorry. It's what we call uncompatible with life. Mm. It's a crania. At that point, everything else gets really foggy. Mm. It almost felt like being underwater, where you aren't recognizing full sentences anymore. It was just snippets of words here and there, like kind of coming into my consciousness of not compatible with life, a crania, no skull cap. All I remember is the the ultrasound tech as she had sort of the wand (laughs) in me doing the ultrasound. She was also stroking my knee at the same time. And my husband, Jason, was next to me holding my hand and just gripping so tight I know that the specialist gave us some kind of instruction on like follow-up or next steps or something. I honestly couldn't tell you what he said. Mm. Um, I have no idea. All I know is that all of a sudden, the lights were back on, and I was being helped sit up. And the ultrasound tech was saying, you know, we'll give you a while to get dressed, and you, you don't have to check out. You guys can just go. Then they left the room. And it was just me and Jason, and I, that that was the worst day of my life, I would say, was finding out that my baby was going to die. Mm-hmm. I fell on Jason and was just gripping. He was wearing a sweatshirt, and I was gripping his sweatshirt, just sobbing and feeling like if I let go of his sweatshirt, I'm going to fall on the ground. I literally could not support myself um, we were just in that room. I don't know for how long. Um, eventually, somehow I got my clothes back on out of the ultrasound gown, the walking out to the parking lot. I was just numb. I don't remember much of just getting in the car and starting to drive. And I mean, we didn't say anything where we lived, we lived in rural Indiana at the time. And so the hospital was 45 minutes away. All of our appointments were a 45 minute drive one way. And so we had a long drive in the car. And um, eventually, I know that Jason said something about we we need to Call our parents, and so I called my mom first, and she she was the only one that I ended up talking to directly and telling the news. Ironically, uh, my mom volunteers at a pregnancy crisis center, Mm. and so she was there volunteering up in Michigan, and so she stepped away from her volunteering to take my phone call, and and she knew that I had an ultrasound that day to follow up. When she answered the phone, I was just crying. On the other end, and she knew the first words I said to her were, Mom, my baby's going to die. Huh. She just said, Lindsay, no, no. And she just started crying, and we just cried on the phone. It was really hard. I explained what the doctor said and just asked her to tell the rest of the family later that night. I just started looking up, like, What is a crania? And a a crania, so what what our baby had was basically a precursor to anencephaly. So a crania is when the brain is present, but the skull cap is missing. So the top of the head has no skull bone. And so over time, it's a combination of the, the little brain stops growing and also has some deterioration or shrinking, then by the time the baby is born, it's anencephaly where uh, the skull cap is missing and there's little to no brain matter. That's why on the ultrasound, our baby looked like he had a full round head is because his little brain was still there and probably stopped growing around 15 weeks by the specialist estimations. We had the diagnosis confirmed at 15 weeks, so we had another ultrasound the week after, but that time we went to Riley Children's. Hospital down in Indianapolis and confirmed it there. And at that point, the specialists that we met with at Riley Children's Hospital kind of walked us through a bit more of the tangible what this is going to look like. So that's when we asked our questions, you know, is our baby in any pain? And, you know, the specialist assured me, absolutely not. He's in no pain. Oh, that's also when we found out that he's a boy. Uh Was that 15 weeks? Found out that we were having a little boy, which was so bittersweet because we were so excited for Bennett to have a little brother and also had to begin grieving the fact that he was never going to grow up with that brother. But we found out he's a little boy. We named him Gideon Judah. And Gideon means warrior and Judah, his middle name, means praise. That's beautiful. Yeah. We we chose that name very intentionally. And a big reason for that is because we're we're Christians, we're believers. It it was important to us that our baby bear a name that indicates the importance of our faith on this journey and the importance of praising God in the middle of just an intense storm. And just the fact that he's our little warrior. (laughs) I mean, he was such a, a fighter the whole time to even make it to 15 weeks. I mean, they estimate that so many babies Who have neurotube defects end up passing in the first trimester, often very, very early. And so, I mean, just even the fact that he was, you know, at 15 weeks was just amazing to us. After that 15 weeks, we just kind of proceeded. We knew that we were going to continue with the pregnancy, which was another discussion that we had to have with specialists. Mm -hmm. And the specialists that I spoke with, they definitely didn't feel like they were pressuring us either way. And they felt they were very supportive of our decision to continue with the pregnancy because he's our baby. He's a little person. And, you know, Mm -hmm. for whatever time we were going to have with him, we were going to enjoy that and enjoy him and love him even as we were grieving. That was just very important to us. The next several months february march april may june i mean it was it was 5 months of pregnancy after that and honestly the first 2 to 3 weeks of february after all of those initial diagnostic appointments are a fog i think honestly i just did a lot of sitting on the couch and crying and then getting up and making my toddler lunch and then going back and crying and being surrounded by laundry and dirty dishes. And I had some amazing friends who stepped up and brought us meals and, you know, took care of my toddler and, you know, took him out on little play dates when I just, I, I needed time to process and to really kind of grieve those really initial intense moments.
0: I'm glad you were able to recognize that for yourself and that need and that you had those people there during that time.
1: Yeah, that was just really humbling to see because we just we needed it. We needed it so bad. This was the time that we had with Gideon and even just the holidays that came up, you know, Father's Day, Mother's Day that was the only Father's Day that Jason had with Gideon. That was the only Mother's Day that I had with Gideon. So we, we really tried to soak up that time and just be so intentional about talking to him and reading with him and taking pictures and, and just doing things at that time to to treasure his memory. So that was sweet. The few weeks before Gideon's birth, we had another anatomy scan at 22 weeks, and with babies who have a crania and/or anencephaly, there can be other complications that present themselves, and so they were kind of looking to see if there was anything else that we needed to be aware of for Gideon's health. And there was honestly nothing. I mean, he was perfect. His lungs, his heart, everything else. I mean, he was just beautiful. We enjoyed the anatomy scan. And then we had another ultrasound at 32 weeks on June 1st, and that was the first time that something else came up. So the normal amount of amniotic fluid around a baby at that point is around between 8 and 25 centimeters of amniotic fluid, and I had 44 centimeters of fluid.
0: Oh my gosh. Um,
1: It's it's so crazy to even say it out loud. Um, I had. It's crazy for me to hear. As yeah, a, right. On the healthcare side. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I. It turns out I had developed polyhydramnios, and it happens in thirty around thirty percent. Uh, I think it's a little less of anencephaly cases. My OB said that it was it was the most fluid that he had ever seen. And he's been in practice for, I don't even know, decades. That kind of told me, oh, this is serious. And I, I hadn't even really realized how big I was getting at that point. You started point. measuring um, weeks ahead, right? Oh, yeah. I was, let's see, I was nine weeks ahead at that point. I was 32 weeks along gestationally, and I was measuring at 41 weeks gestation. Wow. At that point, there was a high risk of early labor And my OB said that there was no way I was getting even close to my due date of July 27. He didn't want my lungs to get overcrowded. That was the big concern Mm -hmm. at that point. But otherwise, Gideon was measuring at two and a half pounds at 32 weeks and was otherwise doing good. So let's see. On June 2nd, I had another meeting, but this time with an entire hospital care team. So it was my OB palliative care the NICU team nursing and a chaplain essentially they were my care team and Gideon's care team and we we met to kind of write out the birth plan and figure out what needed to happen what were my wishes what were Jason's wishes for caring for Gideon for his delivery and birth and so we opted for comfort care we knew that it was really the only decision or at least the only decision that kind of made sense from what the medical team was recommending mending because the the prognosis was not good. But it was hard emotionally as a mother to to say to a hospital care team not to resuscitate your baby. Oh, that was just yeah. really, really hard. And I mean, they knew and were on board and were expecting it, I'm sure. But it was just, it was really hard to have to say it out loud. We talked through things like postponing weighing and measuring him. We just, we just wanted to hold him. We didn't want to lose any time at all once he was born. Just for weighing and measuring and all that stuff we knew that that could happen later another decision that we had to make for that meeting was if we wanted him to be wearing a hat when we met him which kind of weighs heavy on moms with babies who have anencephaly because you know their little skull cap is exposed and so you can typically uh, see brain matter and you know not all parents that's not how all parents want to remember their baby and that's kind of what I was feeling Jason felt differently he he wanted to be able to see all of Gideon at least once just to fully embrace his full image of who he is. I, on the other hand, felt like I wanted to remember him. And to me, his the exposed part of his head didn't define him. And so I, mm-hmm. I really didn't have any desire to see the exposed part of his head. And so we decided that we would have the medical team just put a hat on him really quick after he was born and hand him right to us. And that would be our meeting him with a hat on. And then eventually Jason could take his hat off. And then at that time, I could sort of decide in the moment if, if I felt like it was right. But that was something else that we had to discuss. Mm-hmm. That was that meeting and at the very end, just because we had voiced that our faith and our relationship with Jesus is important to us, the chaplain asked if they could pray for us at the end of the meeting. And it really meant a lot to us that they were willing to do that and sort of recognize what we needed holistically and not just medically. So that meant a lot to us. Mm. Just a couple days after that meeting, I had another appointment with my OB. He wanted to see me again at 33 weeks just because it was concerning the polyhydramnios. Development. It wasn't an ultrasound. It was just measuring my uterus. And at that point, I had gone from measuring nine weeks ahead at 32 weeks gestation to measuring 16 weeks ahead at 33 weeks gestation. It, it, it was shocking. I, I could barely even process what that meant. Um, How are you feeling? I Almost like a body dysmorphia where you don't even realize what is happening to your body because it just feels so unbelievable. I knew that I had been sore and achy, but to hear that I was measuring at 49 weeks gestation when I was only 33 weeks along, my mind just couldn't even wrap my head around it and at that point I was getting I I was getting scared for Gideon because you know we knew that we would most likely not be able to take him home because most babies with anencephaly pass within 24 hours of birth but our biggest desire was to meet him living Mm. for whatever amount of time we had with him this side of heaven and so my doctor was saying that with the buildup of amniotic fluid it was putting a lot of pressure on him and it was increasing. His chance of dying before delivery. Mm. And so we scheduled a C-section and I'll kind of go into that a little bit, but we scheduled a C-section for Tuesday, June 16th. Which was significantly earlier than what I was originally thinking of like
0: early. You guys were originally thinking later July and then they moved it to early yeah. July and now it's mid-June.
1: Yeah, it just it, it moved up so fast and it felt like we already had so little time and it felt like our timeline was just cut even shorter. And as we were leaving that appointment, my OB said, I wouldn't be surprised if you go into labor before Tuesday, because also with that pressure on my cervix He was saying that it could just send me into early labor. And so that was just very overwhelming. There were a lot of tears shed after that appointment. Suddenly we were having to pack a hospital bag and call family and tell them we were going to be both meeting and saying goodbye to Gideon the following week and that was really really hard I do have to say that this whole time this whole this whole phase of the pregnancy Gideon had made himself very known with (laughs) his kicks and punches and he he really liked kicking my upper left hand side of my belly and and he would kick so hard that he actually bruised me (laughs) In, in ways that Bennett never did. And and that was just funny, almost, because it, it really kind of started to show us his little personality. He's oh, a warrior. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was so feisty and so spunky. So that was always sort of present in those, you know, late second trimester, early third trimester conversations. We would be having to talk about all of these things related to Gideon's passing and preparing for that and ordering his casket and funeral arrangements. And we were doing all of those things while I could feel him kicking inside of me.
0: Uh
1: I mean, there were so many times where I would just need a break from the conversation. I just couldn't handle it anymore. And I would just go into a room and just wrap my arms around my belly and just cry and just hold him and talk to him and sing to him. And I would almost imagine that he had actually already been born and that he was healthy and that he was just wrapped in a little baby sling up against my belly. And all of his kicks were just him like twitching in his sleep. Kind of feels like Um, his kicks were
0: him talking back to you.
1: Oh, totally. It totally was there were some really funny moments of, I mean, Bennett, like putting his hand on my belly and Bennett didn't understand anything that was going on. And then Gideon would kick Bennett's little hand or (laughs) Jason would be talking to him and Gideon would start kicking. And it almost like to say, you know, hi, daddy. And it was just so, so sweet to feel like, you know, we don't have to wait until he's born to start making memories with our baby. You know, he's, he's still a person. There's just literally skin separating us. So going to getting ready for the hospital, that was very surreal. There were times where it kind of felt like we were just going through the motions because I couldn't process all of the emotions that I was feeling in that moment of packing his hospital bag. The contrasting emotions of being so excited to meet this little baby who I've been picturing for months and at the same time knowing that his birthday was also likely going to be the day that he died. Another thing that we had discussed with my OB was whether to do a C section or vaginal delivery. And I prompted the conversation because although Bennett had been born vaginally, I hadn't needed a C-section for him. I was seeing in the anencephaly mom support groups that I was a part of on social media that there are some studies and statistics done that babies with anencephaly who are born via C-section have a significantly higher rate of being born alive than babies who go through a actual labor and, and vaginal delivery process. You know, there's there's no right or wrong in in deciding which way to go on that, but for us, it just this was so important to me to meet Gideon living and to do whatever I can to mitigate that risk.
0: Mm-hmm as his mom
1: yeah even though it meant having an elective c-section and I knew that that would also you know have different health implications for me and and for you know hopeful future pregnancies at that point that was the only thing that mattered to me so we decided with my OB support to have an elective c-section to increase the chances of having some time with Gideon living that was that decision so going to the hospital so we got checked in And got in our room. And my nurse's name was Christina. She was just amazing. I mean, she was an angel. She (laughs) was so encouraging. And she was positive, but also serious like she just knew that there that this was an important day, you know, in getting us ready and talking to us. It just felt like she understood that and like she respected that. And that was just so encouraging to me. So they got us prepped. You know, I was in my gown and they were doing some monitoring and he was, you know, even kicking the monitor as they were trying to get his heartbeat (laughs) and he was racing around. They couldn't even get a good read on his heartbeat. He was just so active, which was, you know, story of his life. And so it was just funny seeing that happen. And and, finally, once the nurses kind of finished all their intake and IVs and everything, they're saying, okay, like it shouldn't be too long. We're just waiting on another mom in the labor and delivery unit who is in labor and she's been laboring all night and we need to wait and see if she needs an emergency C-section or not. If she doesn't, we will come and get you. But if she does, then it's going to push your C-section back.
0: Sorry, I'm going to get a drink of water really quick. No, you're fine. You have me in anticipation no <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my
1: um, my throat was getting pretty dry.
0: I couldn't imagine how you were feeling in the moment, like not knowing when it was going to happen.
1: I I say this with with so much grace and compassion because I I was that mom with Bennett laboring all night, exhausted, and waiting to see if I needed a C section or or if I was going to be able to push. I had so much compassion for this mom, but also at the time it felt unfair. Honestly, there's someone else having a baby. Like this is Gideon's birthday. Like. <laughs> I just it felt I, I just kind of felt like, OK, all right, like, we'll just wait and see what happens. And I just need to be patient. And but then not long after that, Christina and another nurse came back and said, OK, we're ready to prep you. And so Jason sat down on a stool by my head. And something that was really amazing was that we went through Now I lay Me Down to Sleep. They are a nonprofit that does um bereavement photography for parents in hospitals even though we couldn't have our photographer in the operating room there was a nurse who had just completed a now i lay me down to sleep photography certification of some kind because she was a nurse she was allowed to be in the operating room and take pictures for us that was just such a gift that's amazing Oh, it was it was truly truly amazing that we were able to have someone in there taking pictures for us, especially because as it turns out that was when Gideon was the most interactive with us. But I'll get to that. So, we were waiting and the anesthesiologist was kind of giving me some play-by-play by looking over the curtain. So, he was saying like, "All right, they're almost there. All right, they're going for baby. All right, baby's out." When he said baby's out, um I'll never forget this. I heard Christina, my nurse, say, happy birthday, baby. And sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. That's beautiful. Yeah. He was born at 11.04 a.m. They whisked him over and they really quick put a hat on him. And I mean, within seconds, he was in Jason's arms. And um, when he turned around, I, you know, we had masks on, but he had tears in his eyes. That just got me. Um, I was really jealous that Jason got to hold him first, but I also understood because I got to carry him for, (laughs) you know, the six, seven months that I had him in my belly. And so that was okay with me. But Jason said that he actually got to see Gideon take. A big breath, a big shuddery breath. Gideon had his (laughs) eyes open, which we weren't even sure if he was going to. And he was just staring at everything. I mean, just taking (laughs) us in. He was staring at Jason. He was so peaceful and focused. I mean, it was amazing. We felt like we were seeing him. And so as Jason held him, you know, Gideon was just nestled in little blankets and he had his little hat on and Jason turned him so that he could look at me and we were both just saying, "Hi baby, hi Gideon." We were just talking to him and it felt like almost almost like a moment from a movie where suddenly everything else that's, you know, there can be all of this other stuff happening around you, but it's like that's all just in shadows, in a fog in the background. And the only thing that we could see was Gideon there we were just the three of us huddled up together in in just a little huddle behind that curtain just soaking in Gideon and we just kept on talking to him and whispering to him and eventually Christina came over and she was like do you want to help me put him on your chest and i was like yes and so she kind of helped take the swaddles off of him and and i kind of pulled my gown down so i could do skin to skin just right there on the operating table i mean while they were stitching me up um, Oh, it it was amazing having Gideon on my chest. I mean, he he was kind of laying a little sideways. And so I was supporting his little head with my right hand. And with my left hand, I was just stroking his cheek. And as I was stroking him over and over and over, just the only things that I kept saying to him were, I love you. I'm so proud of you. I love you. I'm so proud of you.
0: It sounds like that's where he was supposed to be. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) You're fine. You're totally fine. As I was stroking his little cheek, his eyes just kind of slowly closed. And it was just like he was falling asleep. He was still with us at the time. He was just so peaceful and content. And it felt like he knew that his mommy was holding him. He (laughs) knew that he was safe and loved and protected. And I just, I will forever cherish that memory. It was so special. It just it felt like we were seeing him, his little personality, his little spirit, his little warrior spirit. <laughs> um, there was definitely such a light in his eyes because it felt like we could just see the light behind his eyes. I also knew when he had passed, when he was gone. We had called in the chaplain to do the dedication with us, and we had set up a Zoom like group call with extended family and immediate family who couldn't be there so that it kind of felt like they could meet Gideon mm-hmm. while we were doing the dedication. And so we just kind of held Gideon up to show everyone <laughs> and we were so proud. And we did the, the dedication with the chaplain, which was so intentional and meaningful and personalized. It was towards the end of the dedication. Just right after that, as I was looking at Gideon, it kind of felt like the light was gone from his eyes. Mm-hmm. I wasn't quite sure. Because I kept sort of massaging his eyelids closed to kind of help keep his eyes moist. And so I, I called a, a nurse over who was nearby and, and just said, could you check for his heartbeat again? Because they had checked for his heartbeat in the operating room and already his heart rate was down to just 40 beats per minute mm. when we were in the operating room still. The nurse came over and checked. She said, I'm, I'm not quite sure. Let me go get Christina. And Christina came in and checked, but I knew as she kind of held up her little stethoscope for a minute and then looked up and she already had tears in her eyes. She just said, I'm so sorry, I can't find a heartbeat. And that was a shocking moment, a moment that we knew was coming, a moment that I had played out in my head a thousand times over the previous months, but I just had no idea what it would actually look like, Mm -hmm. what it would actually feel like that moment, it felt like falling. Mm. And so Jason scooped up Gideon at that time and just started sobbing. I was crying. And the three of us just kind of huddled on that bed, just crying. And I think that everybody else in that room just left. They just gave us space. Um, it just so happened that our mom's came in at that time. They hadn't known at the time that Gideon had already passed, but then when they came in, they knew. Mm. I just remember when Jason passed Gideon back to me and I just was rocking him and I kept saying, oh honey, oh honey, almost almost like I was trying to soothe him or like comfort him. In death. I have no explanation for why that was suddenly what sprung to my subconscious, but I just I just remember rocking him and holding him and saying, Oh honey, oh honey.
0: Mama instinct. Yeah.
1: The rest of the time that we had with Gideon that day was just memorizing him. I felt like I just needed to remember every single inch of him. Eventually, they moved us over to mother and baby, the mother and baby wing of the hospital. And again, I had requested for a room kind of away from other moms and babies. One thing that I should mention is that I had wondered if the nurse who took care of me when I had delivered Bennett was still there or happened to be working. Her name is Nancy. And she had just been amazing. She's been a nurse for like 40 years. (laughs) And she had just, I mean, I'd really connected with her when I had given birth to my oldest, Bennett. And so I had just asked if she was still in the hospital. Christina said, yeah, actually, I know who you're talking about. She's working right now. Oh my I was like, please, can I see her? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, I don't even know if Nancy's going to remember me. But my labor and delivery with Bennett had not been easy. And I, I'm sure that, you know, everybody says that. But it, I I wondered if Nancy would remember me and whether or not she really did. She, She said that she did. And she was so excited to see us and I just remember Nancy putting both hands on either side of my cheeks and looking me straight in the eyes and saying, you can do this, mama. You are so strong. And it was just so. It was kind of a full circle moment of the nurse who had brought me through the journey of delivering my firstborn and then coming here to strengthen me for my second born, even if it meant losing him, was just so amazing. And so, yeah, Nancy was amazing. So, Christina brought us over to the mother and baby side, and every time that they bring a mom and baby, new baby, over to mother and baby side, they play a little lullaby. Christina asked if we wanted the lullaby played for when we went over with Gideon, and I said Yes. To me, I just wanted to celebrate my baby, and so as we were walking over, they played the lullaby, and I was holding Gideon and just so proud. They got us in our room, and they pulled out what's called a cuddle cot. A cuddle cot is basically a cooling cot for babies who have died or were stillborn. It basically keeps their little bodies cold so that they are preserved for longer and that the, the signs of death don't start to show too soon mm-hmm. or, or as, as long as they can kind of keep it off. Christina took the cooling pad, placed it under Gideon's back and then wrapped him in a swaddle. Then I was able to have him like I was able to. To hold him and have him in the little bassinet next to me and it looked like aside from the you know the cooling tubes coming out from behind him for the pad. I mean, he just looked like he might as well have been sleeping. That was just so beautiful. We got beautiful photos with him. We were able to rub him down with some lotion that I had bought, like a particular uh, scented lotion. That was a tip that I saw on the anencephaly support groups that I was a part of to bring a lotion that I had picked out just for him that I could put on him after I gave him his bath. And he would then have this um, particular smell and then in the you know weeks months years to come I would always have that lotion and I can always smell him Aww. I mean I literally have the lotion on right now even so As the evening went on, we had more of a rotation of nurses on the mother and baby side. So I I honestly don't remember many of their names except for one, Maynell. I really appreciated that both Maynell and Christina, even though he had already passed, they were talking to him like they would any baby. I mean, they were saying like, (laughs) oh, here you go, honey. Oh, you know, come here, sweetie. Like that was just so sweet for my mama heart to see these nurses still treating him like he was a baby. We went through the night and the next morning. His little body had not changed much, but he was definitely colder. That was hard because I was starting to feel like I want to remember him as my baby and I I don't want to remember him changed too much. Eventually, Jason made the arrangements for the morgue to come pick him up in the afternoon. That was significantly harder than even hearing that he had died. The last hour before the morgue was scheduled to come, we just kind of stayed huddled as a little family, just on the couch by the window, just in the sunlight. I mean, I was just holding Gideon and Jason was holding me, and I felt like this desperation to soak him in because suddenly it just felt like the clock was ticking. I knew that the time was coming where I would have to give my baby away. Mm -hmm. (sighs) That was just very, very difficult. It was easily the hardest thing I have ever, ever done. Um, A nurse had come in and told us when the morgue was there and that they were just outside the door and that they would come in when we were ready. And so we took a moment to just pray together and through tears, we allowed the the morgue personnel to come in. I just remember just kind of tucking Gideon's little swaddle around him, almost like bundling him up for a big trip or something, like getting him ready for like a school field trip or something. I just wanted to make sure that he was just nice and perfect. And when I brought him over to the morgue person, I just handed him over and I said, please take care of him. He just kind of nodded and and they left. and. That was the hardest thing that I have ever done was give my baby over to someone else, knowing that I was never going to see him again. Mm. And it just felt like the edges of my vision were just going black. I couldn't see anything. I couldn't hear anything except for my own tears. Mm. I might have even been screaming. I don't remember. Our moms came back at some point. We just all cried and I just I felt exhausted at that point I just the exhaustion not just of that day not just of the last 36 hours but the exhaustion of five months just built up in that moment after who knows how long the nurse who was taking care of us at the time came back I had been refusing anything stronger than Tylenol Up until that point, because I didn't want any sense of fogginess or any senses to be dulled, even if it meant pain from my C section. I just didn't want to be affected by anything worse than Tylenol. And when the nurse came back in, I just said, I'm ready for the narcotics now. She understood and she went, and I got some stronger pain meds at that point that really helped ease both the physical pain and just my sensations of what was happening. The rest of that day and that night, was just kind of going through the motions. Our baby was gone. But I swear every single person that came into that room who hadn't yet met Gideon, every nurse, the lactation consultant, I was constantly asking people, do you want to see a picture? Can I show you a picture of Gideon? Because I didn't want them to kind of talk like Gideon was an event that had come and gone. Mm -hmm. And they didn't. They were very respectful, but I just was so desperate that everybody who came into that room knew exactly the baby who had just been here and knew my baby. They were so sweet and so genuinely interested. And yes, oh my gosh, I would love to see a picture. And we told them his name and they're like, oh, Gideon, that's such a sweet name. And aside from that, the next morning, my mom had dropped off a bear because I just couldn't bear being wheeled out of the hospital without Gideon in my arms. Mm. And so my mom had brought this big blue stuffed bear (laughs) with a little bow on it and that was going to be what I was going to carry out of the hospital. Jason had to go get the car and I just remember sitting there in this giant wheelchair waiting for Jason to pull up with the car with this, you know, stranger monitoring my wheelchair with this big bear and Still feeling so empty. There was this physical absence from my arms that even though I had something literally in my arms, the weight of Gideon's absence was so heavy. And so Jason finally pulled up the car and the guy wheeled me out. I got into the car and I had been kind of trying to hold it together a little bit because I didn't want to break down just in public. Finally, when I got in the car, we drove away. I just started sobbing. I just let it all out, just leaving the hospital without my baby. It felt so wrong. It felt un. Natural, and uh, it's not an experience I would wish on anyone. Not anyone. No one should ever have to leave their hospital without their baby. Mm -hmm. Um, But the reality is that so many women do, and it was heartbreaking. It absolutely shattered my heart. So that's my story. It, it, that's how it ends. I mean, it, how else could it end? But we we're so thankful for the time that we had with Gideon. Mm-hmm. Every second of those just over two hours that we had with him until he died at 1.11 p.m. made the five months worth it. <laughs> and I would never do anything different.
0: Thank you so much for sharing the story. I think that this is another way that Gideon can live on and teach us. Well, it means a lot to me
1: because I, a lot of people ask how I'm doing. Very few people ask about Gideon's story and I'm sure it's because they're not sure if I want to tell his story, but I do. And it means a lot to me that you, that you wanted to help share his story.
0: I mean, even from what you said there, you can tell how much of an impact that he's had. And I think that he could have an impact on even more people by you telling his story and sharing it. Well, thank you. I'm so proud of Gideon and I love talking about him. So what an impactful story. Lindsay does such a beautiful job sharing her experience and sharing Gideon's life with us. Thank you, Lindsay, for allowing us to be a part of Gideon's life and also just be impacted by his life. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to be notified when new episodes are released and find us on social media at Let's Chat Healthcare. Thanks again to Lindsay for coming on and I'll see you next time on Let's Chat Healthcare.